Good evening and welcome back to another edition of Beyond the Backstage Pass. I am your host, Vince Edwards. You may know me from Sound Image Productions. I also have a couple uh, roadie groups, closed groups on Facebook called Beyond the Backstage Pass and and Death by Loadout. Uh, come check us out. Uh, to my right is my good, good friend and co-host, Kyle Thomas. Kyle Thomas, how are you today, sir? I am doing especially well today, brother. We have a very special show today. Well... Let me tell you, my morning started out with doing a gig, so that that was the the highlight of my moment right now. It's like, holy shit. You were, like, plugging stuff in. Setting up redundant rigs. Oh, oh my, my goodness. goodness. I was around other people other than you. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Major improvement. <laughs> just, just that little part made everything better. <laughs> no, I cool. was super happy to be out doing something, at least. Seriously. Absolutely, absolutely. You were playing around. I think we took out one of Diablo Digital's uh, Pro Tool rigs. Recording rigs. Oh, we had two rigs, a uh, uh, SXL, nice little monitor package. Uh, it was with Matt Gill in the tune yards. Very sweet. Matt did a very good job, man. Very, very, very cool. Are you on Restore tomorrow? This is a business question, but I'm curious. No, you're, that's all you. Yeah, so I'll see you tomorrow. Too. All right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so we got something going on. I know we've been talking about the tech corner and stuff, but now uh, we're approaching maybe filming some mix-offs uh, with... Uh, potentially Brad and Greg being our first uh, clients or or, or guests. <laughs> guinea pigs, say. really. Guinea pigs. Can you yeah. imagine the first flying I'm trying to stay away from guinea pigs. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, we want to know our, the ideas of people watching, whether we do, you know, a, uh, what consoles you want to see, and uh, whether we do, a, you know, SXL versus the Digico or... Avid versus Avid or something like that. SSL versus Yamaha. Sure, anything. Yeah. So uh, if you guys were going to post, a, we're going to get up on a community poll on our YouTube in the, this week at some point. And if you guys can chime in, just fill out the poll and uh, contribute what you guys want to see. If, if I heard you correctly, I think you just said we're polling about a poll. We're polling about a poll. Yep, right. That's what we're doing. All right. I just, I just <laughs> you got to bring awareness to the polls. Man. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like there's a lot of awareness on the poll already. Uh, another subject. Uh, hey, and uh, what else you got? We also got these lovely sweet strings. You're all up on these right now. And let me tell you, they sound really good on my guitar. So Whoa. I think Sam Hurley Whoa. did a really good job designing these. And uh, show the camera. Yeah, I think uh, Mikey's got a picture this time. You got a picture, Mikey? You don't have to zoom in. Boom. Look at that. They're pretty sharp. They're uh, cryogenically treated, so they stay in tune a bit longer. Um, a little more resistant be, to breaking. Yeah, a little bit more resistant to breaking. Uh, we also got a discount code, 10% off, posted up on our, uh, I think it's posted directly on the YouTube chat, so feel free. Well, if we don't yet, we will soon. Keep a lookout for them. Again, we don't talk about anything we don't believe in. And I got, I don't know, six guitars in here in the shop. I think five or six. That, and I know we strung up one of them, and it sounded great. And, you know, very, uh, very functional, very utilitarian. And our friend came up with these. And so we support it. Yeah, there you go. The promo code's backstage. So if you go to their site, just put in backstage, bring you right to it, give you 10% off. Well, that seems imminently fair for a very quality piece of equipment. That's very nice. Definitely, brother. Yeah, baby. So, me, you, tomorrow, rock and roll. I mean, show. Uh, 
I guess I don't see any way out of it. Yeah. You better bring dog biscuits. I, I'm going to bring you a whole box this time. Okay. Not just this single Scooby snack here or there. I'm going to bring you a whole damn, All right. just a crate of dog biscuits. I'm leaving if I don't get it. I've said it before. You function best when you have been motivated by food. This is true. Yes. I'm a skinny so. dude. You have to feed my tapeworm for me to be happy. Well, you remember, we got the locker units over here. Yeah. <laughs> and a couple years back, I started, we would have the, the some of the younger guys that would start fading out around two two o'clock, you know, and it was low blood sugar. So I just started packing them full of candy. And so they would eat this crap all day and be buzzing around like little bees. It was, I, I highly suggest it to anybody's running crews. Uh, you want to keep them up, keep them fed. There you Particularly go. of high sugar content garbage. <laughs> and they have a wicked come down after work, but <laughs> they're just, they're super efficient. It's a, it's a good trick. You want to work for Vinny, you're getting fed candy. That's Candy and nachos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've had few complaints, I tell you. Right on, my brother. Um, thank you for all you did this week, and I'm stoked we got some work. That's a super good thing, but we have ourselves a very special guest. You want to get to it? I don't see any way out of it. Yeah, now this is, listen. Guys, thanks for tuning in this evening. We really appreciate it. We uh, are lucky enough to have some good friends in the game. And, uh, and not all of them are created equal. Tonight is a massive example of that. We have a gentleman who's an award-winning front-of-house engineer from everybody from Warrant to Jay-Z to, I mean, the list is so long. Uh, um, uh, uh, what the hell's the gal's name? Amazing. Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston. Yeah, yeah Whitney Houston. And, of course, currently, the, I mean, one of my favorite bands in the world. I'm so envious that you have this job is with the, the incredible Iron Maiden. It is our. Oh, it is also the co-host uh, on the wrong end of the snake. Friggin' great podcast. Check that sucker out. And he does a thing with uh, with it's called Pooch and Ribold. Also incredibly good. You gotta check it out. It is our dear dear friend Ken Pooch Van Derten. How you doing, my brother? Hey, I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. It is so good to see you. You look great, bright eyed, bushy tail. Everything good in your life. You're, it's a little bit past my bedtime here in Dallas. We're talking it's nine o'clock. This should be when I should be going to bed. I'm old, you know. I will send you some coffee or something in the mail for staying this up this late with us, my brother. We very much appreciate it. Seriously. Oh, no, of course. I'm I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. You bet, buddy. Let me ask you. Uh, so here in the show, we're you know we're a talk show kind of format where we go for, and and everybody's always, especially a, a person as accomplished as you are in the game, is is they like the origin story. So tell us about how you got in the business. <laughs> um, I mean, you, you know, it goes all the way back until when I was three years old. I started playing classical piano. Literally, like my mother was a classical pianist, and she would place me in you know the bassinet underneath the piano when she practiced. So I heard piano from when I was born, you know, onwards. And so I studied classical piano from when I was three until about 12 um, and picked up all kinds of other instruments along the way. I actually was a flute player for four or five years and studied with the, uh, the first chair of the San Francisco, San Francisco Symphony Orchestra. Um, wow. So that was exciting as a as a you know ten year old eleven year old. Yeah. That's... Um, but then um, as I got into adolescence, I realized that neither one of those instruments were going to get me the girls. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, so I you know switched to playing. I was that guy like at school where uh, you know the music teacher would be like, oh, the, we we need a drummer. You know, Ken, can you play drums? You know, and I I would play drums. Uh, and so I ended up playing all kinds of instruments and, and going through all that. And eventually, 
Um, you know, I grew up uh, around where you guys are. I grew up in Lafayette in the East Bay. Right. Um, and but I ended up in high school um, uh, due to a bunch of circumstances, mostly that I was, a uh, you know, just a shit teenager. Um, but I ended up at a boarding school that was a performance arts boarding school. Um, and I really just, you know, loved it. It was, it was like, do you remember that old TV show fame? Oh, absolutely. New York. Yeah. It was like that. It was like, there was, you know, actors and singers and musicians and, you know, um, and so it was just, you know, something really amazing. Um, and I thrived in it when I was in high school, um, and, uh, graduated from there and, uh, got a scholarship to Berkeley college of music. Um, and, uh, went to Berkeley for four and a half years and got my degree there in music production and engineering. Um, and I just fell in love with the whole studio thing. I had no intention of being a live sound guy. Um, I was, I started working in, in Boston at a studio there. I worked my way up from being a runner to a, to their head engineer by the time I left. Um, and made the big move to Los Angeles, uh, after college, um, and started working in studios in Los Angeles as a producer and recording engineer, um, and had a, a pretty successful go at it, um, for about three or four years. Um, and then, as you mentioned before, warrant, (laughs) (laughs) um, came to the studio and I was actually doing demos for one of their records. Um, and uh, Janie Lane, the the lead singer, said, "Hey, man, you know we fired our front of house guy. You want to come mix front of house?" Um, and uh, I said, "Well, I've never done that before." And literally, I have I had never mixed front of house um, at all. I didn't know anything about it. Um, and I went, "Okay, cool." <laughs> and the next night, I found myself uh, mixing Warrant at the LA Forum, opening for Rat. <laughs> so you didn't jump in small <laughs> no <laughs> you, jumped, you went to the to la forum i know the audience says no this is a classic venue this is a must yeah. this is like red rocks but in la not for the style but for energy you know the, that place's yeah. history is ridiculous great place to start my brother <laughs> it was it was exciting and that was i caught the bug immediately right you know i am i was thrown into a place with 12,000 people screaming for something that I was doing. Well, that's right. Um, and the impact of that was hard on me. I was like, screw the studio, man. This is where it's at. You know? I completely um, understand. And kind of never looked back. Like, I, you know, yeah. the rest of my career was, was all mostly live stuff, although I do make some records here and there. Well, you know, that feeling is very addictive that you speak of. And I think it's the one, the, the, the many of us that have stayed in for the long term, and that's a big, huge part of the reason. So, yeah, I can totally get it. Better, th- better than any drug. <coughs> uh, it like, really is. Still. Still to this day, uh, you know, in, in my 50s, I am, I get, you know, the hairs on my arms stand up when it's a, an amazing moment and yeah. people are screaming for something that you're doing. Yeah, it's absolutely priceless. Yeah. And I bet you get a lot of screams, mister. <laughs> well, I do with Iron Maiden, man. It's yeah. a, they're an awesome band. Well, there. Yeah, let's, and I'm going to do this interview kind of non-linearly, just to kind of mix it up a little bit. Sure. And so that's where I was going first was to talk about your most current thing that you're do, you've done, which was uh, touring with Iron Maiden. Uh, I know that they present. First of all, one of my favorite bands of all time. It's just lifelong I, dream. I'm a complete fan. I grew up in my, in my teenage years. I was I had 
you know, circus magazine posters of, of uh, Iron Maiden all over my wall. So. Yeah, yeah. It was Steve Harris for me. You know, he's it, yeah. it is oh, like yeah. monster on the bass, you know, and just me too. Uh, I'm a bass player, too. And I, I was he's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I know from having a few friends that have done the job before you had uh, complained, uh, loved the work, loved the band, loved the guys. Uh, you know, Eddie and the whole deal, but would complain a lot about Steve in particular because uh, his he, his style of play is, you know, his finger and he's a lot of fret noise. How do you uh, deal with that? Yeah, I mean, okay, so there's already three guitar players <laughs> and they all play strats mm -hmm. and they all play through Marshalls. That's, so yeah. that frequency range, although they're playing different parts, it's the same frequency range, right? Yeah. So finding placement for those three guitars is hard enough. And then the bass guitar is basically a fourth guitar. Yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't really make a whole lot of low end. Um, certainly no sub information, you know, like a traditional R and B bass guitar that has 60 Hertz in it and below. Right. There's right. none of that no. in his stuff. No, no. Um, so I treat it, you know, I treat it like, um, an instrument that needs help a little bit in that range. So there are some frequencies that are being boosted down in there yeah, just because if there wasn't any of that information, the mix would feel really bright and nasty. Yeah. So I am kind of manufacturing some things down there that aren't coming out of his rig, um, but they're just subtle. It's subtleness felt um, stuff. Um, but, but honestly, his tone, I mean, you, you listen to Iron Maiden records and he's louder than the guitars in the records. And that's the way he should be. Absolutely. The bass is up front, you know. Well, um, a lot of times he's also going lick for lick with them, like you said. So he totally. does this kind of almost like a rhythm guitar parts. But when it's time to kind of wander off into the into the licks, he's usually right there with them. Yeah. Yeah. He's They're a, an interesting band. They're like no other band. They aren't. You can't mix them like a rock band. Yeah. There's a couple things going on. Nico is like pretty much a jazz drummer. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> He's got, you know, all these toms and his and his licks are really nuanced, you know. It's it's almost jazz like. And then you've got like I said the three guitars that all are similar tones and then you've got uh Steve, you know, who's supposed to be out front. His tone is unusual. It's it's not like any other bass player. Um, and then, you know, you, you've got uh, Bruce, the singer, who's just, you know, that dude is, he is beneath Whitney Houston. He is the best singer I've worked with. Well, you know, it's funny. We were just talking about Bruce. So I got Winston Dama in here, a heavily accomplished uh, A1. He's playing around on the, the SXL. And we were talking about um, Bruce's accomplishments. And, you know, I mean, everything from his, he's a champion fencer, he's, uh, he's an accredited 757 pilot. Uh, I mean, he's, he's kind of one of, an author, an incredible vocalist, an incredible front man. He really understands how to operate a crowd, you know, how to lift them up, put them down, you know, move yep. them up. Yeah, they, that, which is, you know, an art in its own right. A very special cat. What's it like being on Ed Force One? For people who haven't been on Ed Force One and see how seriously Bruce Dickinson takes that job. Can you tell us about Ed Force One? I can't actually, I haven't been on it. Um, yeah. So the, the, um, <clears throat> souls tour, which was the tour before I started was the last time that they had Ed force one. Um, so I joined them in 2017, I guess for the legacy of the beast tour. Wow. Heavy, 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 heavy. 
Well, and you, you you got mad love for uh, Iron Man, one of the best international oh touring bands. Yeah, and the, I just want to say one other thing about Bruce is like everyone feels like the dumb one in the room when he's in the room. You know what I mean? He's just he's that guy that's super smart yeah. and you know loves talking about airplanes, but is a rock star. And like I said, his voice is unbelievable. Like what comes out of that dude's mouth is is crazy. Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely one of the most um, uh, proficient, accomplished singers in the game. I know he takes it very seriously. You know, voice coach the whole bit, and uh, and it shows. You know, his concerts is one of the few guys that you can show to show to show who just keeps killing it every time. Always brings a big totally, show. Totally, man. And I know you're a big part of that and the sounds that we all hear out in the audience. Uh, oh, you know, yeah. it's it's critical stuff. I mean, they you know they give it to me. They and I feel like this band you know i've learned a long time ago that i can mix a band that i'm not a fan of and don't give a shit about i can do that i can mix that band but when it's really great is when it's a band that you're a fan of and you know the nuances and you grew up listening to their music and you know that that one little fill every dude in the room is going to be air drumming to right. and it's got to be out front yeah that that's those are the kind of things where it's like, man, this is this is a lot of fun. I sometimes I'm mixing and I feel it transports me right back to being 15 years old. Like I'm sitting there in a giant stadium with 80,000 people, but really I'm in my room when I was a teenager cranking Maiden on my my record player. So well, yeah, it's amazing. I, yeah, I bet you find moments where you kind of pinch yourself and make sure this is all happening because For you know, real? Get, yeah. in our in our business and then a lot of the people in the audience will relate to this. We don't always get to work with the bands we love. And that's right. And so that you get to is, uh, you know, a very uh, a special thing. I'm super blessed, dude. I'm, I'm super blessed. Yeah, um, yeah. Very, very, very lucky. Well, you bring the talent, man. And so they're always looking for you. Uh, talk to me about Kiss. I know you worked with Kiss and Doc McGee and, uh, you know, that can uh, I've done as well. And uh, what was your experience with him? Did you enjoy that? Um, so I <laughs> I did Kiss for the first farewell tour, which, by the way, was 20 years ago. <laughs> That's true. That's a business. It's a bar in its own right. The farewell tour. It yes. is, a, is a business model that is actually, we, you know, we read about it in our, our, yeah. our trade mags that that's, a, and yeah. So but they keep that. doing it, which yeah, I think course. is hilarious. Like I keep, you know, they keep saying it. But I, anyway, I did the original farewell tour that had the four original members, you know, Ace Paul, um, Gene and, and Peter. And um, it was uh, like three years of a tour. It was really long. It was all over the place. Uh, and I kind of my my end of Kiss was uh, me mixing the um, uh, Kiss uh, Live Symphony Orchestra in Melbourne, mm -hmm. which was amazing. It was a sixty piece symphony orchestra along with Kiss, um, and there was all this you know like boys choir for one section, and then they played acoustic, and I mean it was crazy. And you got to realize this is twenty years ago, so I was on two XL fours. Um, no, no digital console. So, um, you know, it was a hundred and some odd inputs. Damn. Uh, and there was a, a guy that was submixing the, um, the symphony, of course, uh, and sending me stems of it. And it was just, it was crazy. And that was kind of my, one of the last shows that I did with them. 
Well, you know what, Gene? He's not going to ever put down the credit card machine if there's a way to make money. It's just how the man rolls and uh, is very successful as a result. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're a lot of fun. You know, yeah. at the same time, Doc can be a little bit of a handful, but also, you know, legendary manager. There's, I don't think you have much time dealing with Doc. Oh, yeah, all the time. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, he, basically, uh, he... <laughs> there were moments with that band where it wasn't about quality. It was about just how loud I could get it. Yeah. Um, and, and at that point we were using Shoko prison boxes um, and a shitload of them. Uh, and they were just on stun. I mean, that old Shoko <laughs> drive was just squirting blood, you know, uh, the entire time. So there were moments where the finesse part of it was lost um, cause doc, you know, about halfway through the show, his ears would close down a little bit and then he'd get in my shit and go, you know, turn it up. You yeah, know? And yeah. so we, sometimes we would go to places that were like, Oh man, I didn't want to go there, but I was young in the game and, you know, um, I was like, okay, we're going there. The manager says, do it. And I do it. You know? Yeah, and he doesn't fall for that, you know, phantom button shit. He's he's too hip. Nope. Yeah, I know. We've all if you've worked with Kiss, you've been poked in the back by Doc. That's as simple as that. that <laughs> that's, that's it. That just and he's he has always been good to me. He's he's a great, he, you know, legendary manager. Everyone knows that. Absolutely, he's one of a kind and uh, yeah. very very good at what he does. And honestly, you know, he took a chance on me. You know, um, Toby Francis was actually the guy mixing, um, you know, the reunion tour and then Psycho Circus. Um, and then he didn't want to do the farewell tour. And he placed me there without even ever meeting me. That's wow. I never met Toby, but Toby went to bat for me with Doc um, on ML Pro Size's Word. Um, and also Robert Long, who's a, an amazing um, pr production manager in the business. Yes. Um, both of those guys went to bat for me because prior to that, I was mixing, you know, well-known bands. But this was a big front of house move for me. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, Doc took a chance on me and I I'm forever grateful. Well, it sounds like, you know, Francis and, and uh, just putting his name, your name up like that. It says that he enjoyed he must have seen you somewhere doing your work. Well, you know, what's weird about that is he didn't. Robert Long was my business partner back then, um, and he was the guitar tech for Paul. Mm -hmm. And so when Toby said, I'm going to leave, Robert went to bat for me with Toby and said, oh, man, you got to I'm telling you, you know, Pooch is great. You got to hire him. You got to hire him. And then Toby, without even ever meeting me, actually, he did meet me, but he never he never heard me mix. Um, so that says something about Toby is that he's willing to help people even when he doesn't really know that they're going to succeed. Yeah, that's very, very cool. I'm trying my best to get him on the show. Hopefully that will he's happen. Great. Yeah, a wonderful guy. Hey, well, let me ask you the origins of the nickname Pooch. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> come on. Let's see. <laughs> um, it comes from actually working for Vince Neil yeah. of all bands. Yeah. Um, he he would call me big dog um you know because of my size uh and that kind of evolved into pooch and also there was a production manager there uh named doc williamson that kind of encouraged people to call me pooch and then right after that gig i got whitney houston uh as her monitor engineer um and she just loved it she loved the nickname pooch she would you know Pooch, can you come over here and turn my monitors up? She she <laughs> loved that. Um, and the name just stuck. And there was a minute there in the business where 
some people knew me as Ken and some people knew me as Pooch and they couldn't put it together that it was the same person. Mm. Uh, so I just went, screw it. You know, I'll go with Pooch. And uh, it just has stuck ever since. I got a picture. The name is so now it's it's kind of like, you know, Chevrolet in our game, at least. It really is Pooch. Uh, I made a meme of you where I had, uh, you know, I put up the memes on the, the Facebook, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I get a picture of you in a class where you're kind of giving this yeah. example. You know the meme I'm talking about. I've seen it. It's yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> and, and everybody loves that one. They always, I won't uh, sometimes allude to who is in the picture and that's almost <laughs> invariably people always have to show they know who that, who that you are by saying, oh, it's Pooch, it's Pooch. It's oh, yeah. yeah. So it's really, it's so nice. It's very yeah. sweet. Yeah. No, you're, it's nice that people like my work, you know, I mean, that is, um, that there's nothing better than when uh, you know people are enjoy what we do, right? You yeah. know, um, when someone comes up to me after a show at front of house and I'm packing up, rolling up cables, and they stand there at the barricade and just go, "Man, dude, it was awesome." That's why I do what I do. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's an incredible feeling. And some of the bands that you know, like uh, Kiss or Iron Maiden, these are bands that have diehard fans. So when we get oh, it right, hey. they're appreciative. You know. I used to have my head down at the console at a Kiss concert. They come by and go, "Sounds great," and I go, "Were we at the same show?" <laughs> well, there's there's a difference. You know, it's, it's kind of the difference between the generic high crowd and the, the Motorhead crowd. You know, yeah, the crowd just wants to have their face peeled back. You know, and the, the yeah, kind of a, I a lot of omnidirectional kind of dis, dis, you know, offset their heart a little bit. And so, well, sound is like the twentieth thing on the list with Kiss. You know, it's it's about <laughs> stuff blowing up and gag and lights and you know fireworks and yeah. you know all that shit if all that's good then somewhere in there word sound is at the bottom of that but it has to be loud as hell right right well um, but I'll, t I'll tell you they have changed you know so um adam stewart who's mixing them now is doing a fantastic job and they're at a you know a real level and they sound great um and so it's 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 great to see them embrace embrace new technology and and actually um you know have come back to the uh sounding good plan <laughs> sounding good <laughs> i mean it was you know listen it was a, a, an exciting three years for me um and i i did think that i make them made them sound good but there were moments where I was, you know, in the back lounge of a bus, um, just going, I can't make this band sound good. I can't do it, you know. Well, um, their special requirements are make that harder to do. That's for sure. Yep. Yeah. For sure. Which is, you know, coming at you with a one twelve, you know, SPL or whatever. What, what yeah. did they? How do they? How do they denote to you that that's what they're after? What What's the words that take that they use to tell you this? Just we want it stop. loud as hell. <laughs> <laughs> Heard him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, like Doc, you know, behind me going, turn it up, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, back then, uh, you know, we weren't as concerned about hearing as we are now. And, yeah. you know, we weren't doing measurement of SPL and that kind of shit. We were just pushing the system until it wouldn't go anymore, right, you right. know. Guess um, all and the way so, uh, you know, I, I would guess that a lot of those shows were 105, 106, 107, A-weighted in front of house, for sure. Wow, yeah. That's, it's, um, that's kind of old school rock and roll approach. You know? <laughs> it is. Well, I mean, and it was prism system, right? So, you yeah. know, front-loaded JBL speakers, you know, there's, there's something to be said about that. You know, we've all transferred into line arrays now, but uh, for a rock band like that, uh, a front-loaded JBL PA was, was pretty great. 
Oh, very cool. Well, I can see where that, yes, I get that. Let me ask you, how do you, I know you worked with Jay-Z. Uh, what's the challenges, that, if any, that go between mixing a rap show, and especially somebody like Jay-Z, who's kind of got a very unique vocal style. He tends to have a large posse with him. What's the difference between mixing a rap show like Jay-Z versus Kiss? The great thing that's happening these days for me and some other rock mixers are that the rap genre is in embracing rock mixers. So is pop. Pop is embracing rock mixers because they know that we're used to creating impact. Um, and Jay-Z in particular, um, you know, liked the fact that I mixed the live band over the top, just a little bit over the top of the playback. And he wanted that live feel. He wanted it to be a live type show, not just a standard rap show, you know, with all playback stuff. Um, and so I think he was specifically looking for that from me. Um, and, th and that's true. You know, you talked to Toby about, you know, Katy Perry and Ariana Grande and all that. They have hired him because they because he's a rock mixer and gets impact into a pop show. Um, so I think it's it's great for some of us old guys that have been traditionally been rock mixers. We're now able to to transfer into what's hot right now, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, but Jay-Z is amazing. Um, you know, you, you have to know your genre, right? Like any time that I work for any band, I study and I learn and listen to records and, you know, you you learn by listening and saying, okay, well, you know, it's all about the sub information. Like we got to move some air in this room, right? Um, and uh, and so it's it's just that it's study. Yes, I totally agree. My friend Charlie's Ricky. I'm not sure if he knows Ricky. He's old school. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, Charlie's a great guy. He's asking you if you ever worked. He's asking me to ask you if you ever worked for Eminem. Yes, actually, I have uh, only as his monitor engineer. But yeah, um, I did uh, probably, I don't know, two months with him as the monitor engineer. My brother just sent a hi to you as well. Oh, uh, he, awesome. It's Jorge. Jorge Eduardo here is it just sent you. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you about um, your podcast. Uh, Wrong End of the Snake. I've been following that for a while. That, you, that is a, a great podcast. How did that come? You do that with uh, with Tater, with um yeah. Uh, with Kevin. How did that come about? Well, Tater and I are an old married couple at this point. Um, <laughs> we've literally been working with each other for 20 years um, and and doing I think we've done I, I actually haven't counted, but I think it's 10 to 12 really well-known huge bands we've done together. Um, so we we are at that point in our lives where we don't even really talk to each other on the gig. You know, we know exactly what the other guy is doing. Sure. Um, and it's it's a really great symbiotic relationship. Um, and so during this time, we wanted to this covid time and we're stuck at home. I wanted to, you know, keep in touch with Tater. He's a, he's a great friend of mine. And so we came up with this idea of uh, having some guests on and um the whole thing is talking about relationships it's it's about how people come up in this industry and how you got to where you are um etc cetera, etc cetera. and so we've been lucky enough to have some amazing guests on um we had mike shinoda um yeah derek sherinian um you know 
we've we've had some some really great guests, so we've we've been lucky. Oh, I couldn't recommend the show enough. It's a, it's entertaining, informative. You guys have oh, great chemistry you. together. Yeah, everybody should check it out. Wrong end of the snake, pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. Uh, yep. Super good stuff. And how is Mr. McCarty? Is he okay? He's doing great. Um, you know, he <laughs> he keeps saying he's learning things about like what's happening at home that he never knew about. Uh, <laughs> you know, like uh, he drove um, up to his house the other day and noticed that his house, he's in Detroit, noticed that his house didn't have any snow on the roof and that the house next door had about six inches of snow and he's driving up and he goes, that means my insulation sucks. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, or he's, uh, mama's keeping it super hot in the house. You know, one, exactly, one, yeah. So One way or another, uh, he's losing money. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So he is, uh, he's learning all kinds of things that he didn't know about that have been happening at home for the last 30 years. <laughs> That's absolutely hilarious. Me too. Yeah, Me yeah, too. right, right. Yeah, I'm just surprised our women haven't, you know, kicked us out by now they're still not used to having us around it's uh oh my goodness it, it, my my wife and i had a serious like you know had to redo our whole relationship because that's not how we've been you know we've been together right. for 23 years and um you know we uh we always i'd be gone for 10 months out of the year you know and really only be home for about two months total um, so this last year has been a lot of, uh, you know, working through a bunch of shit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, it's it's a strange time for us. It's We've been it running and gunning for so long, and to be able to kind of slow down, it's, it's messed with all of, all these areas in my life that I'm trying to get used to it, and I feel like we're about to gear back up. But, you know, we got the, the plan with the... Uh, it's gonna, coming. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Coming. So we're going to pull the... I think starting next week, we're going to light the shop back up and kind of run through its paces, get everything on board and online and, and, you know, hopefully hit the ground running. Yeah. You mentioned Mike a minute ago from Lincoln Park. And yep. uh, I know that was a band you spent some time with. We know of the, the recent, relatively recent tragedy. Brad was out with them. Brad Maddox was out with them when, you know, yeah. one of our guys here. And um, that was rough. But uh, what was your experience like with Lincoln Park? Amazing. Um, you know, I worked for them for 13 years and they were, they're great to me. Um, it was the perfect experience of acting as a front of house guy, but also as a producer of the live show. Um, so I had lots of interaction between all the band members. Um, in fact, before every show, I would go to the dressing room when we would have conversations about than the show before, you know, and say, oh, that one little section doesn't really work. We need to tweak that a little bit. Um, and so it was a, it was a um, a really great place to be creative um, as well as be a, a sound guy. Um, and uh, so, you know, all those guys that I worked with and stuck around there for 13 years and they're all family. And, um, you know, I ended up uh, leaving like six months before Chester um, died uh, and Brad took over uh, after me um, and did an excellent job. Yeah, I remember he walked in the shop that day. He you know, yeah. was supposed to go on to another show and then, of course, uh, Dexter passed. And uh, yeah. he came in and he kind of walked past my office and I said, well, what the hell are you doing here? And Brad Maddox, you know Brad, he's not a man that shows a lot of emotion and he did that day, but he showed more than I'd ever seen out of him. And uh, yeah, it was hard, that was a, that was a tough one. I, it was crushing, man. I yeah. um, Chester was, uh, of all the band members, I, Mike Shinoda, I had a really good relationship too, um, but 
But Chester uh, and I shared uh, all kinds of things. Both of us um, got sober a bunch of years ago. So we were, you know, we had this kind of kinship of uh, in sobriety. And, and um, so uh, he was a great dude. And it, it was a, a terrible, terrible loss. Yeah. It was awful. Huge loss for the business, huge loss for his friends and family. And um, yeah. yeah, I think those rough moments, that's why we try to support some kind of ongoing stuff with the page my brother has with Loving Hands for uh, Stagehands. Yes. Um, you know, it's a real thing, you know. we. Men get a lot, of, in my opinion, get a lot of their sense of purpose from what they do in life and the contributions they make. And sometimes you can get in a down spot and, you know, to take in a permanent solution to a temporary problem. It's a, it's, it's a real thing. So It is, man. And especially during these times, you know, I, I've, I've often thought about this, you know, the financial insecurity is hard. Yeah. But the real deal for me is the not having an outlet for my creativity like that my whole life is focused as being a sound guy for a band and being able to be creative and like a painter paint every day you know yeah. um and so you take that away from me and you don't let me have it for a year and that is man you can really go into some bad places you know um so this time, um, you know, I, I urge anybody that's out there and, and having a, a rough time, man, um, you know, permanent solutions are not the way. No, reach out to your friends. You know, we're, we're out here at any time, a phone call away. I like to think we're kind of a brother or sisterhood in what we do. You know, yes. I, I always see the rest of the world as kind of civilians to what we do, and, and we need to be there for each other. So we try our best yeah. with our little pages. And, you know, every so often, if you haven't talked to a friend in a while, you might want to reach out. Uh, these are these are critical things in this time. It's been uh, that's what I'd say to people is just call call people that you know might be struggling. Just give them a call and say hi. Yeah, it could be literally be the, the enough to make a difference. That's right. And and whatever it takes is uh, is critically important because I think um, people get caught in these moments that yeah, they they, and their their they, their process isn't realizing shortly this, that will be over and you'll be on to the next thing and you can get caught in a bad moment. And in our business, we've seen this way too many times, you know, between Cornell and uh, Stanley and all the different, you know, Wheeling. Uh, it's just, it's just, tra it's really tragic and traumatic, you know, when it's happening. So I, I had just worked for Cornell <laughs> right before he killed himself. And then I, you know, worked for Lincoln Park. So I've had my fair share of rock stars die on me. It's, an, it's unfortunate. Yeah, super unfortunate. Let's talk about, uh, let's change lane. It's the same lane, but let's talk about a slightly different genre. You mixed Justin Bieber at his height. What was that like? <laughs> <laughs> Screaming um, Girls is like doing a Beatles concert in Jay Stadium. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dude, the shit that comes out of a 15-year-old's mouth is <laughs> unbelievable. And you put 80,000 of them together. And oh, man. <laughs> there would be times where literally I would, I would mix, and in between songs, I'd have to put my fingers in my ears oh, and wait for them to come back down after the 112, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no crazy. Um, it was interesting. <laughs> uh, you know, um, I, it was the first time that I'd ever worked with a, a band or an artist where as a front of house guy, I didn't have access to the star. Weird. So there was no communication between me and the star so it was all of a sudden it was me trying to figure out who's got his ear and also who's important right sure 
Um, and so then it's a mixture of like six people that I have to decide who are important and what I should be listening to uh, in order to achieve the, the uh, best result. So um, it was a really interesting political situation. Um, but um, but it was rewarding and it was, you know, we're playing huge stadiums all over the world. And, and yeah. um, uh, you know, I enjoyed it. His band is really great. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it was, it was an interesting time. Well, you know, you get gigs like that, you know, we Backstreet Boys had the same exact kind of thing. You had tried to go through their different handlers and figure out who's the guy that's blowing and who's here because yeah. the handlers, I, it, it always seemed to me the handlers don't want to lose their, uh, the justification for their existence. Oh, they don't want to lose their jobs. Yeah, sure. that's right. And yeah. so somehow or another, they become this, uh, you know, this weak ass and go between. Uh, it, yeah. can, it can be very um, stifling in the creative area. But, uh, sure. but you know, going out with a band like Bieber's band, I have to imagine is a bunch of just hired guns and straight up badasses studio guys. They are, and they're young kids though too. I, they aren't so young now, but they were at the time. Um, they were a group of kids that came out of the Atlanta church scene. Believe it or not. Wow. Um, but just hotshot kids that had, uh, you know, great, great talent. Uh, and uh, there was a, an MD that had been there on the tour before the one that I did. Um, and so he kind of put the band together. So they were, you know, young, eager, uh, great chops. Um, and it, it was a, it was great. Yeah, very cool. Uh, you mentioned that, you know, with Bieber and Maiden and all the bands that you've toured with, uh, the stadiums touring around the world any downsides to, in your opinion to international touring uh the travel <laughs> see, see, i always liked the travel it was always customs for me uh, yeah. Uh, yeah you know is the, the the bullshit that happens at the borders other than that i always enjoyed you know the architecture and the food and the culture i do too um i gotta tell you though it's getting harder and harder to fly 24 <laughs> hours to south africa you know what i mean it's like yeah. oh, you can imagine God. Um, and you know, I had a real eagerness as a young kid in my twenties and my thirties to spend off days exploring cities. And, um, so now I'm going back to those same cities for the, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth time. Uh, and so, you know, I'll go to a spot that I know and have dinner and like, you know, that's about it. I'm not as enthusiastic about it, but, um, no, man, I, you know, I enjoy it. I enjoy being, seeing different cultures and seeing, you know, 80%, 90% of the people in the U.S. don't go outside of the U.S. Yeah. Um, so yeah. we're, we're very lucky. We get to see some, some interesting things. Yeah, absolutely. And when you got a guy like Gregory Price still out there murdering it, you know, he should be out with Disturbed right now if it wasn't for this thing. Um, at 70, still killing it and still I know. He's making it hard for us where we can't come off. <laughs> because, for real. Know, he just keeps moving that bar up and, and <laughs> the, the time we're going to be on the job longer because you ain't wrong. Uh, the the traveling is not for the you know faint of heart or, um, you know, it's a little more built for the younger man, I think. But um, I think so. But I, you know, I mean, I still I still enjoy it. There's no question. Otherwise, I wouldn't do it. But, um, you know, it's it, it has gotten harder. But yeah, Greg's amazing. He's you know, he's always Greg Price has been a big mentor to me. Um, you know, I did. I was always the kid that was mixing the band before Ozzy on Ozfest. You know, right, I did. Right. I don't know how many four or five of those <laughs> things um, where and he was always like super helpful. Uh, there was even a year I was mixing System of a Down where Ozzy was playing in the parking lot. He was playing on a B stage in the afternoon 
and System of a Down was closing Ozfest. That's nuts. Uh, which, which was really weird. Um, but Greg's, you know, amazing and has always been really great to me. He is uh, one of the few. Well, you know, I, I find this is more and more is the. Um, the old pros are a little more willing to share, you know, their tips and, and tricks because in the, you know, in the 80s and 90s, that was less of a thing. People were kind of, you know, real precious about their special sauce. You know, they were sure in the, you know, the outboard gear, they'd set everything back to factory, you know, before they'd walk away from it. And so when, uh, and, and Greg and Brad to a, a certain extent, um, you know, we go to them all the time when we need to get bailed out on something or, you know, an insightful little tip. Uh, it's, it's an incredible resource. Um, what led to you starting up the the, the Pooch Rabel uh, broadcast? That extremely exciting. I watched the the episode with you talking about the Earthworks uh, mics that you guys had gotten. That was that was <laughs> right. so great. It, it, the way you guys kind of dealt with the topic of you know uh, putting your being branded by an individual mic, which yes. in your position is really hard to accept. You know, you got your favorites that do specific things, and that's right. It doesn't always lend it to. Uh, to um, saying I'm in the Earthworks engineer guy, all Earthworks. It's it doesn't really work. But how did you guys come together? Uh, so that kind of evolved from he and I just being friends, and you know, much like Brad and Greg, um, we don't have a business together. You know, Raybold and I, but but we were those guys that were talking to each other on the regular, like two or three times a week, talking about gear and stuff, and being like, Hey, what are you using now? What have you heard? you know, um, whatever taught, you know, kvetching about the, the jobs that we have. Um, and I thought, um, in the beginning of this COVID thing, we, we had one of those phone calls and I said to Chris, I said, dude, wouldn't it be awesome if everyone could hear what we're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> um, just because, you know, we, we just talk about stupid shit. And, um, so, it turned into something that's really great. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's us um, <laughs> passing along as much knowledge as we can. You know, I, I believe that it's, it's not my, it is my place to pass on what I've learned. I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I learned everything that I do by watching somebody else. Uh, so now it's my turn to, to give back. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, Robert Wilcox, uh, you know, he's a Motley Cruz guy. Uh, yeah, you know, Motley, badass, true badass. Just he's great. Just reached out, and he said that. What, what? Can you help me with that, big boy? Kyle, what's that mean? What was? The, can you push back the comments that uh, Robert just mentioned something? He said, oh, Greg, "Greg and Dave, and Dave Morgan Dave. convinced me that I could go back out again." How, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had David Morgan on the other day, and he's seventy-one. Um, and we were talking to him and we're like, dude, are you ever going to stop? When are you going to retire? And he's like, I don't know. I'm going to keep going as long as I like doing it. So, you know, he's not wrong. I don't know if you ever noticed the, the common denominator is when a, a man gives retires, that can start to be kind of the beginning of the end. You know, again, totally. we kind of derive a lot of our purpose and, uh, I think forward momentum from, you know, our sense of satisfaction we acquire from the work we do. So Robert, you, you stick to your guns, fella, and you've got a, a Motley crew tour, you owe us. So, yeah, that's yeah, right. so you're not getting out of that, buddy. We, we, we <laughs> want to see some Motley crew and some Def Leppard out here as soon as that's, uh, feasible for real right on uh mix it with her kid rock uh, i was talking to somebody about it and they were telling me about the uh, going to a show where you were mixing for kid rock and uh i think they um delicately put uh said it was quite an experience how, how was that for you <laughs> <laughs> quite an experience um 
I have no idea. That was before I got sober. <laughs> <laughs> the before uh, and after photo on that boy. I can oh imagine. my god, those were those were some blurring years. You know, I, I literally I went from like mixing monitors for Pantera to mixing Kid Rock front of house for Kid Rock, yeah. and it was just you know, I mean, out of hand. Um, you know, when the boss is doing all of it, then the, everybody else is too. So um, oh, that's right. It was. I mean, there are definitely moments that I have like, you know, six months of time. I don't remember, really. Um, but uh, it was um, it was a, a, an interesting experience. He would he would do we would we called it the matinee show because he would do sound checks for sometimes up to three hours. So we would start sound checks at like two. Damn him like, you know, like work with the band on specific parts of songs for three hours. And then we'd get like an hour off to go have dinner and then do a two and a half hour show. Uh, so it was mixing a lot of music. It was like, you know, six hours a day of loud. Um, uh, but it, it was, you know, it was good. I enjoyed it. Well, he has got an, a boundless amount of energy. Kid Rock and put he on. Does. It really, it's, it's kind of nutty. You have to see it to, to understand it. It's, um, it, to his credit, his work ethic is 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 nutty. I mean, he really he's puts super in, talented. Yeah, that, guy. that kid puts he's, in. I, it's yeah. calling Kid Rock Kid is kind of hard for me to do. You know, it's his, it's Bob Ritchie. Yeah, I know it. <laughs> exactly who it is. Um, but uh, he puts on a hell of a show. You know, got to give it up to the kid. He he brings it and he likes to entertain and he cares about the audience and that's always what I'm looking for. Now. Man, if you're a fan of Kid Rock, then you are gonna get. Mm -hmm. You, you know your money's worth when you go to a show yeah he, bring, sure. he brings it i give that to bob he, he he definitely does it uh whitney houston now talk about one of the all-time great belters i mean she what a singer what a talent that you oh got to mix God. whitney houston in her prime how is that for you i mean to, to describe that type of feeling i'm getting the goose flesh right now. i swear to god pooch right now just imagining that moment you know when she's really on her game and she's in the pocket you're doing what you do and the audience is just dying i mean what a special thing it it is exactly that yeah. it is when she was on it was hairs on your arms standing up yeah. for an hour and a half That's i mean like the most I, she is so much a better vocalist than anybody else that i've ever worked with it's there's like there's not even close you know i said bruce was second yeah but his second is like way down here right, you know right um she's just she was super talented and i you know um i kind of caught her on her downward spiral um and so there were you know we were canceling shows here and there uh, but the nights that she was really on was amazing um and i was mixing you know there were god i can't remember something like eight or nine guys in the band and it was all loud wedges like no ears right right um, uh, loud wedges and side fills and um yeah it was it was exciting and it was uh, hard, um, but it was so rewarding when she nailed it. Yeah, I can only imagine. She was a very special creature. Another one we lost too soon. And, yeah. you know, uh, yeah, we could go into it. That could be its own show, frankly. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, just the whole thing with the oh, how all that kind of went, uh, went about over that few years during the kind of, you know, and the show was on and oh, it was rough. Are you still offering your master classes? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can go to kenpooch.com uh, for the one that I've recorded. Um, and uh, it's 10 hours of information that I basically a guy in Brazil hired me to come down to do a masterclass. 
I'd been doing master classes around the world. I did a couple in Taiwan mm -hmm. um, and then Brazil and then one in Europe. Um, and the guy in Brazil was like, hey, can we film it? Uh, and then that way I can kind of recoup my costs uh, by selling it online. Um, and it's kind of turned into a thing. It's like he's he's doing well with it. I think he's, you know, getting to the point where he's finally, you know, he paid me for the masterclass. So I'm not getting anything for the online thing, but it's paying for him to maybe hire me to come back. So um, I appreciate all you guys out there that have, have purchased it for sure. Oh, yeah. No, it's a, they're, they're lucky to have the access to that type of knowledge. And that's um, yeah, an interesting setup that you got worked out with the guy in Brazil. I know uh, Brad goes off to, like you mentioned, Tokyo and Brazil mm -hmm. as well to do these classes. And um, I'm not sure of that, how he, how he handles the, the filming part. But it sounds like you're uh, getting a lot of information out there, good information to people that need it. Um, a question about pyro, how it affects your mix. You, may, you know, I know you got a lot of pyro, super pyro heavy and maiden. Of course, Kiss just, I think, set a world record in Dubai oh a minute ago. You know, the gene just, yeah. Um, <laughs> did <laughs> well, you see that New Year's show that they just that did? It was, was like insane. That was, it was World War II. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, yeah, like, yeah. That was what is happening? Yeah, that's yeah. see it from space shit right there. And yeah, I, yeah, I, I think totally. the Guinness we recorded that as the most pyro uh, for any given show. Uh, what's, oh, wow. what's your relationship with pyro? How do you feel about it? I know it can be uh, uh, intrusive when it comes to mixing. Uh, I hated it on Kiss, uh, mainly because of the, you know, concussion tank Yeah, um, was a real pain in the ass. And they set that thing off a lot. Um, and, you know, I mean, it would blow up equipment. You know, if you weren't... Um, there are a couple times where they would set it off in between like sections or whatever. Yeah. Excuse me. And uh, it was so loud that if it, if all of the microphones on stage were open and the PA was on stun, it would blow up some speakers. Uh, so there were moments where I'd have to, you know, mute whole groups and I knew where the concussions were coming. So I'd mute, you know, right, right. whatever the vocal mics or whatever it was um, to, to help getting blown up but um nowadays uh pyro doesn't make as much of a mess except for the the fallout of it on gear after the show like right. when they get done and all that smoke and all that crap falls down yeah, yeah. um man it it just chews through being a guy that owns his own gear it chews through faders and all kinds of crap it's it's horrible yeah it can be pretty brutal yeah um let me ask you do you have Let's say some young buck was coming up to you and saying, you know, Pooch, I love what you do. How do I get into it? What kind of advice would you offer him? Would you, would you push him in this direction? Absolutely. If you have the passion for this, then absolutely. Um, but the question is something that I don't have an answer to. I've thought about this a lot. Like the traditional path of working for a sound company, you know, building cables, learning how stuff goes together, working at the shop for a year and a half, then getting a gig where maybe you're a modern engineer or some things, you know, whatever. That traditional path still exists, but kind of not because there's a lot of young front of house guys that were like the guys that did the record or um, I'm seeing a lot of uh, front of house guys that were, you know, with the band when they were driving around in a van uh, and they're still mixing them when they're huge. Um, so I don't know what the path is anymore. Um, I, I would say try to put yourself somewhere 
where you have the ability to watch other people that are good at what they do. So whatever that means, putting yourself working for Sound Image, for example, um, and, and watching all of these amazing people that work for Sound Image is a path. Um, being working in a studio and being a fly on the wall and taking notes for the producer, that's a path as well. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know. It's, I, I always say that getting this job is lucky, but you have to put yourself in the right place at the right time. You know, the right place at the right time is a thing. It exists. That's a real thing. Yes. But you have to put yourself in the right place at the right time. So it takes, um, someone really wanting this, you know, well, they, and I didn't just, you know, I mean, I, I have all these stories of working for these amazing bands, but like when I moved from Boston to LA and started as a runner at studios, I mean, I was living on ramen and not making any money. That's right. So, you know, I wanted it bad enough that I spent a year and a half of doing that um, to, to end up to where I am. So I, I think you have to want it bad. Bad backs and good stories. That's largely yeah. what we get in this game. But, you know, it's uh, it's definitely something that is, uh, you, you, it's a passion. It's, you have to be, you're going to be the first one in, last one out. You know, it's um, so often we mention what we do to folks. And the, the most common refrain is, oh, my God, that's so wonderful. You're so lucky. I don't think they understand the dedication, uh, the time, the hours that it takes to, you know. They don't. Yeah. yeah. They don't understand the 16-hour, 18-hour days. No, no. So, you know, the, I think the people that are, most successful in this band in this business is they're, they're tenacious you know they're tenacious right. and they and they hopefully you're constantly gathering information as you well know the technology curve never slightens it's we're it always, never stops. no no it's know. you know every 18 months or so you gotta relearn the game and uh Oh man, I feel I constantly feel like I'm getting my ass kicked by 20 year olds. <laughs> I finally accepted it. I finally accepted that the, youngster, the youngsters came in. You know, me and you weren't raised up with a laptop in our crib. That was no. the thing. We didn't. We didn't. We were using payphones and rotary dials. You know, it's a very. I was 18 when I got like a trash 80, a Radio Shack computer for the first time. You know what I mean? Exactly. I try to tell people you gotta you gotta remember when I was young, I was the remote. So there was no remote for the day, you know. It's a, it's a very different time. So, it is. so let me ask you, you know, you've been doing this for quite some time. I know you keep uh, your, your ears to the grindstone. You know what's going on. What do you think the future holds for our industry? Uh, I think when we get back to work, it's going to be crazy. Like there's going to be so much opportunity. Um, I think all of us are going to be in situations of if you have multiple clients, um, they're all going to want to work at the same time. So you're going to have to make decisions and that's also going to open up other opportunities for other people. Um, so I think it, when we get there, it's going to be amazing. So I always tell people keep moving, do whatever it takes. Hang on. Hang on. I don't know how long this is going to be, but if you can hang on just a while longer, the, the coming, the five years after whatever that moment is, is going to be, you know, say goodbye to your family for five years because you're going to be out for 12 months. You yeah, know? yeah, I, I think um, you're right. We're going to be booked like crazy when it's when everything's greenlit, you know, yep. let alone the artists that have been making music during this whole period, which I think is yep. uh, quite a few from what I know. Um, it's, you know, all the, the stuff that was scheduled that got, you know, canceled. Uh, we had 140 shows, 80 tours, 140 one-offs and 80 tours that all just kind of went away, but they yep. didn't get canceled. They got postponed. And postponing right. this is a there's a differentiation there that talks about uh, we will be back and we will be busy. 
So I'm looking for I try to be positive, right? You know, there's a lot of people that are being negative, but my positive spin on this is that it's not like this is we're never going to go back to work. It's coming. And when it comes, it's going to be ridiculous. So get ready. Um, so I always tell people, Hey man, you got time at home right now. Try whatever it takes, you know, do some learning stuff, you know, go online and learn from, you know, all kinds of, you know, like this, you know, come to these things and we talk about stuff, but, um, yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, you know, the, the reality is that until the worldwide vaccine kind of is, has a real big stronghold. And then there's also rapid testing, um, I think both of those things are required for us to have any sort of large people events. So um, who knows when that's going to be, but I, you know, it's coming. Yeah. Fingers crossed your, your lips to God's ears. That's that's what happens. Listen, my friend, it was great to see you, you look wonderful. Uh, I'm, Thanks, man. You know, uh, I'm going to keep up with your shows. They're, they're very entertaining and interesting. Send a shout out to Kevin for me. I would love to have him on the show. We appreci- Absolutely. We appreciate you staying up late. And (laughs) Uh, next time I have you on, you're going to tell me how the hell you ended up in Texas. I need to narrate that story. But uh, but, (laughs) well, that's a long story, too. Basically, the short version is the wife. She lived here, and so I moved here. No, powerful draw women. They can be a powerful draw. That's right. Very cool. Listen, my especially Texas women. Oh boy, my my gal's got half her family over in Texas, and I absolutely adore her when doing anything she asks. You know, right up to uh, laying down on a you know railroad track. So I get it. I completely get it, my brother. appreciate you coming on uh, very thanks very for having much. me man it was, it was a lot of fun absolute treat my brother you keep care of yourself and we'll see you out there on the road cool take Thank care you. brother good night so that was wonderful sure was I get to talk with the big man himself um uh, i want to uh, mention to the audience uh, that uh, we appreciate them tuning in we're very lucky to have folks like ken come on in and do the show with us uh, next week we we've got kevin batty walsh coming in he is one of the top uh, guitar tech backline guys he's iron maiden uh, i mean his list of credits is so ridiculous it's it would take me a, a, a half hour to read him. really it's it's impressive so we're getting kevin on uh, it should be a really great show next week 7 p.m thursday please tune in for that i want to do a shout out to our regulars who uh, uh, took time to, to comment tonight. We really appreciate it. Of course, the great, the one and only uh, true brother, uh, Charlie Zerricki, Tony Lewis, our, our dear, dear friend, John Del Rio over at Loving Hands, Robert Wilcox, uh, Jorge Arwato, uh, my beautiful and wonderful woman, Jackie Canterbury, uh, Susie Dugan, Bobby St. Laurent. We're going to get him on the show. He's an interesting cat. Angela Williams, all kinds of folks. Thanks for uh, sending your comments in. We'll get to them uh, when we get off the show. We really appreciate you guys. Please uh, look out for us next week we're going to have an amazing show with kevin batty walsh and until then be good to yourselves and each other take good care good night